There are so many things we are not supposed to talk about. Our sex lives, our bodies, our mental health. But I want to invite you into conversations that will make some of the tricky stuff less intimidating. Hey, my name is Anita Rao, and I am the host of the award-winning podcast Embodied. We're a show that doesn't shy away from the taboo and takes on everything from diet culture to growing up mixed race to how AI is changing our relationships. Every Friday, you'll find a new episode diving into important questions about our bodies and society, and nothing is off limits. Listen to Embodied wherever you get your podcasts. My friends and I have just arrived at this Airbnb upstate. We walk in through the basement, and everybody drops their bags and starts running around because there's a pinball machine, and there's a room to our right that we open, and it has a drum set and a grand piano and a microphone and my friends who mind you are between the ages of 24 and 28 are running around this basement like little children between going from banging on the drums to fighting over who gets to play pinball next and watching them run around this basement I had the stupidest grin on my face because I had been struggling really hard to make friends after college My college friends and I drifted apart during the pandemic, and I didn't know if it was in the cards for me to make another group of really good friends. I'd even sign up for Bumble BFF to go on friend dates, which were always painfully awkward. Um, But in that basement, watching my friends run around like little kids, I realized that I'd found my people, people that were just as carefree and love to be silly, just like I do. Grown. 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 I'm Fonzo. And I'm Aliza. And this is Grown, a podcast from the moth full of stories about what it means to grow up. So, Fonzo, would you call yourself my friend? Yes, absolutely. You're invited to the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Fonzo. Uh, that's, that's good to hear. You know what's crazy? I was like, I posted on my close friends and I was like, you know what? I should, I should add Aliza. Like, was I not before on you your close friends? You friend? I don't on post my on my cl- close friends. You're on my close friend story. You have been for a very long time. You anyway, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is not the discussion. Okay. Um, well, you know what? I'm glad that you talked about that because this episode is all about friends, close friends, and how we find our people. Because finding your people is one of the most important parts of anyone's life, but it can also be one of the most challenging. Very true. First up today, we've got Eric Carrera with a story all about an epic friendship quest. He told this at a Moth Education Showcase where the theme of the night was Game Changer. Here's Eric live at the Moth. All right. So my high school was a bit of a mess. I remember how the first year I got there, some guys blew up one of the toilets. I remember another time they stuffed the urinal filled with bath with, with bananas. Then one time they hung a desk from the bathroom stall. So that was the culture of the school that I went to. And it was also the culture of the guys that I went to school with. You know, these like really big, tall like guys who were like really assertive. And I remember just thinking to myself that, oh, I could never be one of those people. And they knew it too. I remember once how in, the, in my lunchroom, this one kid came up to me and was like, you walk kind of funny. And so he would teach me, he would try to teach me how to walk straighter, how to, you know, move my shoulders when I walked around. This other time, this one kid would try to dap me up, like, you know, the handshake, and I could never figure out how to do it. And so 
After a while of trying so many times, he just gave up and stopped talking to me. And that was that. So, yeah. Needless to say, I didn't have many guy friends at my high school. And I started avoiding the guy's bathroom, too. <laughs> and then came Jerry. Uh, during my senior year of high school, I remember how Jerry started hanging out with my best friend, Julia, and by extension, with me. And Jerry, I remember I had met him in my ninth grade math class, and he was really good at math. And even though we were both 12, he already had the voice of a man. And so I really wanted to be like him. And for me, I was just really confused as to why he would want to hang out with me, especially as a second term in my senior year, because I felt like he was burning a lot of social capital just being around me because, well, I'm gay and Jerry's straight. And when two people like that hang around with each other in high school, people always have something to say. And so this was, and me and Julie had a thing called doing expeditions. You know, these, like these mini adventures, we're going to find something amazing in New York City or nearby. And keep in mind, for us, going on an adventure was like walking to like a Denny's in Long Island. So <laughs> the bar was pretty low. And... I was then, I was like, started to brainstorm. I was like thinking like, what's this amazing spectacular place that I could take Julie and Jerry and Jerry to and he'd want to be best friends with me and things would be amazing. And so after thinking, I decided I was going to take them to a pizzeria called the Pizza Barn in Yonkers. <laughs> and this pizza, this pizza place had this thing called a super slice, a three foot slice of the pizza and all I had to say was three feet long and they were all on board. So yeah, I was ready. The day before, I was on Google Maps trying to find the best way to do, walk the 20 miles from Brooklyn to Yonkers. I was ready. The morning of, I was fixing my hair. I was putting on my sunscreen, putting on my best clothes, all of this thing to, you know, like to pass the job interview that was being Jerry's friend. <laughs> the day comes, and it's a beautiful June day, and we meet up in Brooklyn, and we're chatting. Things are going great. We start talking about all the funny things our, professor, our teachers used to say when we were in high school. And throughout this beginning phase, I remember how we, I would do things to like sort of make me more like the straight dude that Jared would want to hang out with. I would walk a little straighter. My voice usually sounds like this, and I would talk a little more like this. So all these like little things. And at first, things were going great until we hit East Harlem. It was... 90 degrees in June, we had walked 15 miles, and we were miserable. We were all grouchy, we were angry. Every time I tried to wipe the sweat off my face, all the sunscreen would come off, and so it was just like, it looked like milk on my hand, and so it was, it was gross, it was gross. And I felt like, all right, Eric, you're losing them. You gotta, you gotta keep going. And so it's 8 p.m., and we finally make it to Van Cortlandt Park on the outskirts of the Bronx. We have one hour before the pizza place closes. And the only way to get there is to cut through Van Portland Park in the dark. And so we did it. I took out my Swiss Army knife, and Julie and Jerry were behind me, and they had their iPhone flashlights, and we were ready. And as we were walking, I could begin to hear the sound of thunderstorms. And even though I had planned all of these things, the one thing I didn't do was check the weather before I left the house. <laughs> And so we start walking, and we make it to a clearing, and then we can see how the sky is being to turn purple with every passing lightning strike, and that's when I realized we were lost. We had no signal, we were on a dirt path, and I was panicking. We started, our walking became jogging, and then our jogging became sprinting. We were bumping into trees, and every time we tried to, every time we bumped into a tree, it felt like the branches and the leaves were gonna take us deeper in, and I panicked. I realized in my quest to be this like amazing, strong person, I had put my friends in danger. 
The sigh of relief came when I could feel the mud path turn to asphalt under the soles of my feet, and I realized we had finally made it to Yonkers. I take up my phone, and I get signal back on it, and I see mile 20 on it, and I was so happy. And we make it to the pizza bar, and it's five minutes before closing, and the guy's really mad. He's like, <laughs> but then we show him the phone, and then he's like, and then he's just confused as to like, what would compel three kids from Brooklyn to walk all the way to Yonkers for a slice of pizza? <laughs> Anyways, but at that point, I didn't care, and he relented, and he gave it to us. And so here we are, me, me Julia, and Jerry walking, walking to the one train, and we're carrying this big box of pizza, and finally, those thunderstorms we were trying to outrun, they had finally caught up to us, and it started to pour. And then me and Jerry, out of desperation, we took off our shirts to try to cover the pizza box, but it ended up just seeping through. And so by the time we made it to the one train, we were just holding onto this three-foot box of wet cheese and cardboard. <laughs> And so, but at that point, we were so tired and so desperate, we opened and just started tearing it up. I remember how, you ever seen those documentaries on Animal Planet where like the two hyenas are tearing apart a carcass? <laughs> like that was basically the pizza and we were the hyenas. And my friend Julia was sitting across from us looking disgusted, the smell of wet cheese going through the entire subway cart. And keep in mind, I just walked 20 miles. So I took out my cologne and thinking it would make the smell go away, I put it on the pizza, but <laughs> And then it just ended up making the subway cart smell like wet cheese and high school locker room. <laughs> but at that point, I remember just seeing Jerry and Julian, they were laughing hysterically. And that's when it hit me that Jerry had enjoyed being around me. He enjoyed my company and he enjoyed the wild adventure we had gone on. And that's when I started thinking. I had made all of these little changes to my personality. I had done this 20-mile, 12-hour monologue trying to be the person that I thought Jerry would be comfortable with, but in reality, I was doing it because I was uncomfortable with myself. And four years have passed since then. Me and Jerry are still the best of friends, and we couldn't be any more different. Jerry is going to run a hedge fund one day. I'm an artist. <laughs> and... We still, we still love each other, and we are some of our, he's one of my closest friends nowadays. And so I look back, and I think to myself, and I smile, and I just keep in my head, and I think to myself, how could I have let my own identity get in the way of belonging with people who weren't like me? Thank you. That was Eric Carrera. He says that his younger self would describe him as a braver person than he thought he'd ever be. Also, he'd be happy that he finally started eating his vegetables. It's kind of relatable, Eric. <laughs> My Brussels sprouts girl myself, I don't know. Love Brussels sprouts. If you'd like to learn more about Eric, check out grownpod.com. We'll have some photos of the gigantic pizza Eric was talking about, plus info on how to follow Grown on Instagram and TikTok. For more from us, we're at GrownPod. Up next, we'll have a story all about summer camp. But first, Eliza, you mentioned up top about how tricky it was to find friends after college. Is it trickier to find friends as you get older? Mm, that's such a good question. I think that when you're no longer in a school setting, it becomes really tricky. I don't know if we're maybe set up well as people to make friends outside of a school setting because that's kind of all you know for the first 18 plus ish years of your life, especially because when I graduated college about a year later, the pandemic hit, which created other kinds of social 
social issues and and being separated from your friends physically, you know, I didn't yeah. feel set up for success in terms of making friends after college. And so, yeah, I do think it's a little bit trickier as you get older. What I think is better as you get older is learning to understand the kind of friends you want. As you get older and you have to put in maybe more effort to develop yeah. friendships, you're seeking out people, uh, you're learning where you want to invest your time, yeah. you get to bring people closer to you who you really want to be close with. And I think yeah. that's really, really awesome. Yeah, definitely. You don't think about it like that, but those institutions like school mm-hmm. and like uh, arriving to a place, it like it gives you like... A community and like mm-hmm. like a place where you don't you're not reaching out you just you come together but it's d- different it's different and it's also like when you grow up and you like become as you are it's like you you're you're searching less mm. for like that when you find out wh- who you are you know a, a lot of like making friends is like branching out and like figuring out like oh no, 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 this and that. then when you really figure yourself out you know you you have to branch out less um Something that I talked about at the top, too, was Bumble BFF. And uh, for those that don't... I I wanted to dissect that. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, so if you don't know what it is, there's the app Bumble, which is usually a dating app, but they have a setting that's called BFF, and it's for uh, friend dating. It's to find people who want platonic friendship. And so going on it and even talking about it now was really nerve-wracking and really, I felt really vulnerable because yeah. I felt embarrassed. Felt like, God, I am, I was like 22 and I don't know how to make friends or I don't have friends that I have to like go to an app and ask people oh, okay. to be my friend or like try to make friends with people on an app. But once you get on it, you realize how many people feel the same way. And that was really, um, it made me feel really good that, okay, yeah. I'm not the only one. I think also, like, the pandemic made things really difficult. People moved. People lost friends. People Emotion. emotionally emotional shifted. Time. Yeah, and that was a lot of what I was seeing in people's yeah. profiles. I actually – so I was on the app, and I ended up only going on one friend date. Um, and it was nice. It was fun. It was awkward, but it was cute, and we, like, had a picnic, and it was, like, you know – I don't know. It was what I needed to feel like I can do this. I can yeah. go and meet new people, not in a school it gave you, setting. It, it gave you like fuel, mm-hmm. like friend fuel. Yeah, friend yeah. fuel. <laughs> friend fuel. Um, no, nah, then- absolutely. I, I would one hundred. I'm one hundred percent behind that. I um, I was I during the the pen. It was just like an emotional time mm-hmm. of being locked in. Everything halted. So it's like when you have all this, like you're not able to see people mm-hmm. and. You know, you're not seeing your friends. It was kind of like too much. Like a lot of times you like appreciate your alone time, but it's just like that alone time that never ended. Mm-hmm. Um, Oof, the alone time that never and, ended. And uh, you just find yourself like wanting to reach out in little ways, like just just reaching out. I remember like the first gathering after all of that, like how like, oh, my God, like yeah. a weight had been lifted to seeing my my friends. Yeah. It was amazing. I don't know. It really did a toll that sometimes I feel like we're still unpacking all these years later. And um, I have I feel really different socially. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have heightened social anxiety. I get really stressed in uh, situations with people that maybe I'm hanging out with for the first time. And I'm like, God, I hope you like me. I sometimes forget how to socialize kind of that feeling of belonging a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. How, How do you find friends? How do you make friends? Uh, do pandemic I do world. I make friends? My friends, I am not the best friend maker. I find that I'm like kind of enclosed. I've always been like a loner uh, growing mm. up in high school and stuff like that. 
there was establishments and, and, you know, school that like kind of, you know, not forced you, but like put you in these um friendly environments where you talk to people and stuff like that. But really, like, uh, if it was up to me, like, I'd just be home, like, watching TV or something. So it was like mm. uh, that that has not been my best attribute, my loner side uh, for making friends. The friends I have now and the friends that I have stayed with me have been, like, from work. Environments where even though I didn't want to talk, I, like, I hung out and I stuck around mm. and uh, got invited to places. Like, okay, I'll go. You know what I'm saying? And mm. then, oh. Saying now, yes. uh, five years later, these are my best friends. And so, like, I find it that when you challenge yourself um, and you're challenged like that, like, to be in those environments, it, it, it it's good. But mm. um, I find it, like, uh, people around our age, it's like there's a lot of social media. And it's kind of like even though these apps and, and everything is supposed to, like, keep us connected is kind of, like, hard. Mm. Uh, with our times, it's, like, a different definition mm. of friend. It's changing the definition of friend. Friend, is that your friend or is that, like, someone you saw one day, <laughs> like, two years ago, and now yeah. you watch their story? You know what I'm saying? It's, like, a different mm. concept of, like, oh, yeah, that's my friend. That's my Instagram friend. That's my Instagram friend. You know what friend. I'm saying? This is, like, not someone you rub shoulders with all the time. Mm. And that's, like... It, I feel like social media really emphasizes that. Like, we're not rubbing shoulders on the daily to daily day. And I wanted to highlight something like the making friends. I, th- not, I think the environment for these friendships change. Mm. Like, it's not like it's harder or trickier the older you get to make friends. I think the environment changes. And, like, when the environment changes, because we're constantly changing, time goes by, years go by, and you are in a different mind state and you are in a different you don't have to be a different person, but the, the environment changes. Let's say you move. Let's say this. And then so like the ask and the, the give and take changes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're so right that the environments in which we make friends really do shape that friendship. And that's kind of what our next story is about. It's about a friendship that blossoms at a summer camp. Now here's Jenna Ulizio. She told this story at a high school Grand Slam in New York City. Here's Jenna live at the Moth. Growing up, I had always had a set group of friends, so it really threw me for a loop when they started to turn on me. And at first, it just started off with small things I could brush off, but I quickly got overwhelmed with like multiple comments a day about my appearance or my grades or my stories. So by the end of seventh grade, I was really just limping towards summer vacation. And around this time, I decided the best way to deal with this was to kind of put some distance between myself and this group so I could kind of sort through my feelings. But I also made a pact with myself. I said that I wasn't going to make any more new friends because that just hadn't worked out for me in the past, so we, we just weren't going down that rabbit hole again. So immediately after making a pact like that, you go to summer camp. And <laughs> this wasn't real summer camp. I'm just not that type of person. But it was writing camp, so it was essentially two weeks of summer school, but exclusively for English class, which is probably all that you need to know about me. So... <laughs> Summer began, and a few weeks in, I woke up one morning, and my mom, she drove me a few towns over to this middle school. She drops me off, and I walk inside, and immediately all of the existential questions start, because holy cow, this school is huge. And I'm from, like, a pretty rural town, and my high school is literally just two floors on top of each other, and this school is not like that. It is sprawling. And I'm just standing there asking myself, like, 
What am I doing here? Who are all of these people? Where am I going? Why did I think this was a good idea? And I would have continued to just stand there, but I was still in the doorway and people were trying to get past me and like, what is this child doing here? So that ultimately is what got me to get inside the building. And now I'm leaning against the wall in the lobby and I'm looking at all the different writers in the room and I see one person that's kind of sitting in the window and they have this like leopard print pencil case and they're hunched over drawing something. And I'm kind of curious to see what it is that they're drawing because I just picked that up as a hobby myself. But then I remember, I'm not here to make friends, I'm just here to learn. So I stuck by myself. And eventually all of the instructors, they gather up our age group and we descend into the basement of the school because there's a basement in this school and it is freezing down there. And we're led into this lab style classroom and instead of individual desks, there are larger lab benches that seat like two to three people. And I make a beeline for the back of the room and I sit down and I'm using all of my mental telepathic powers to will people away from me. It's like, you do not want to sit next to me at all. Of course, this doesn't really work, mainly because I don't have telepathy. And as I'm sitting there, I see this person walk up to me and I meet eyes with them and I see that leopard print pencil case and it's the same person from upstairs. And they say, hey, can I sit next to you? And I am so tempted to say no, because I just cannot fathom putting my trust in another person and seeing them break it before my eyes again. But at the same time, I know what it's like to put yourself out there to someone and have them mistreat you for no reason that you can discern. And I just can't pass that on to another person. So I pull myself together and I say, sure, you can sit next to me. And they sit down and we proceed to not talk to each other because we are both incredibly socially awkward people. And eventually, as this program goes on, we do slowly start to open up. We introduce ourselves, and we talk about our stories and our characters, and then we move on to our hobbies and where we're from. And I find that I really love to make this person laugh, not necessarily because they have a good laugh. It's almost kind of braying like a donkey, but because I can make them laugh. I can be funny without being the butt end of someone else's joke. And I find that I love that I can just share all of my thoughts and ideas with this person that I don't have to worry about what they're going to say to me in return. And I find that I have made a wonderful friend against all of my better wishes at the time. It was the best thing I could have done. So fast forward to the end of this program. We are finishing up all of our different stories. It's ending and we're on our way out of the basement, we are ascending now, and I need to tell this person that I want to continue to be their friend. But I have waited until the last possible moment to do this. And we are leaving the school, and I'm running through this conversation in my mind, just thinking of all the different things I could say, but then of course I start thinking of all the things they could say to me instead, and now my palms are sweating, and I'm kind of forgetting how to breathe, and my legs aren't really working. And now we're outside of the school waiting for our parents to pick us up, and I still haven't done anything. And I'm like just trying to will my legs to move towards this person, but they're just not doing anything. They've betrayed me at this point. And I'm just trying to pull myself together because I am still terrified of the same thing happening again when they walk up to me and they hand me a folded up piece of paper and they say, hey, it's been really great getting to know you these past two weeks. I'd love it if we could continue to be friends. And we exchange mailing addresses because they don't have a phone yet. 
And now our parents are here, so we both get in our cars and we drive away to our separate towns. And I unfold that piece of paper, and it's a drawing they made of one of my characters. And I'm overwhelmed again, but in a good way this time, because here's someone who actually appreciated all of my ideas and they made something wonderful out of them. And we exchanged letters for a few months until they eventually did finally get a phone. So then we texted and we phone called and then we DM'd. And between a pandemic and different schedules, it's been hard to keep in touch, but we do our best. And I took that picture that they gave me and I framed it and it hangs above my desk where I can see it every day. Thank you. That was Jenna Ulysia. She said that her younger self would say that I might be quiet and nerdy, but that's my secret weapon to being funnier than people expect. <laughs> I love that. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Jenna or any of our other storytellers, you know where to go, grownpod.com, or follow us on Instagram at grownpod. Making friends looks different for everybody, so we decided to have our friend and moth storyteller David Levelstadt you heard a few episodes back interview people at Brooklyn Comic Con, go out into the city to hear from young people on their friendship journeys. He spoke with students at Eastside Community High School. Here's David. We are in a classroom. We're sitting in a circle, a la Socratic seminar. I know you all know what that is. Um, And anyone can jump in right now. Um, But my first question is, how do you make friends in high school? I find that like making friends in class like usually comes from just like asking questions or like kind of stating something. So I'll be like, oh my God, those teachers like giving this work. And then like you kind of agree on it. Like there's like a little laugh. And I think that's kind of like a spark of like, oh, now we're talking. Um, I came in the year like super late. Um, I got here in like March and now we're at the end of the year. Um, And it was like really lonely like that first week. I didn't know anyone and everyone was already friends for like years. But just like knowing just like one person, like a single class, like she introduced me to a whole group of her friends who introduced me to another group of friends. And even though I may not be as cool with the original girl anymore, like we all like know each other still. Like it's just like a bunch of connections. Like now I know like pretty much everyone. That's so that's so special. And it shows like you make that one connection and it can lead to so many others. Like what if someone like really wants to be friends with you, but you like are not feeling it? And this, I'm genuinely asking, like, I have no, this is something I've struggled with my whole life. I just, I don't think you have to, like, be mean about it. You just, like, just slowly stop, like, asking to hang out. Like, slowly stop, bro. (laughs) 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 Like, like you you just slowly stop hanging out till it's, like, I guess, like, mutual at a certain point. Because you're both like, oh, we don't hang out anymore as much. So, like, at a certain point, it's just dead. You just have to force it, though. Like, just, like, stop answering as fast. And then slowly it just becomes, like, they get the point. Do we have an idea over here? Um, yeah, like, it kind of depends. Because it depends, like, the level of, you know, I don't want to say annoyingness, but, like, kind, kind of. So, like, if it's, like, you know, level one or two, I would go with, like, what I'll got to say. But, like, if... <laughs> If it's, like, level five or six, maybe, like, an in-between of both. And then level 10 is, like, you have to just, like, wow. not even, like, a letter, just, like, face-to-face. So then, like, they know. So, like, they know, and then you could just, yeah, it's over. Then you could start off with the rest of your friends. I didn't realize. You knew this whole tier system going. I didn't even realize who I was. There's expertise in this circle. Yeah, 
We're going over here. <laughs> wow, look at this. Everyone's talking. Everyone's jumping in. We're having a great time here at Eastside Community High School in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And anything else? How do our friends come through for us? Um, Story-wise. Um, sure. We love stories here at the Moth, as you all know. Yeah. Um, there was one time I had gotten into like a really bad argument with my mom. And I just felt like I had like no one to turn to because it was like a big family thing. So I had texted my friend and I had asked her, I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like I have like I'm stressing out so bad. And she like pulled up to my house and she was like, come on. And I was like, mom, I have to go. And so I left with her. And we were only gone for like 45 minutes, but we were just in her car, like silent. Like there was like, there was no sound. We didn't talk. Like she just like, let me be there. Just like existing. Cause I just, I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I didn't want to cry. Like I just needed to be with someone and she was there for me. Wow, That's like such a beautiful answer. And, and like, sometimes how do our friends come through for us? Sometimes they just be there, just be there in person when we need them. Okay, I think we're ready for like a next a next question. And I remember hearing, I think from over here, um, about like COVID, the the big pandy, and how that changed everything about friendship. So how did how did the pandemic change your friendships or how you thought about friendship? Um, I realized a lot of the friendships I had were like surface level, and like I couldn't really like Facetime them and be like, I don't know, just do random stuff on the phone. But then like I guess I like sorted out who was like my actual like friend that I could do that stuff with and it like also was like a lot of like like the filter like you don't have to have a filter with them and that's a lot of like what I learned over quarantine and like the pandemic is that these friends like that you don't have to filter yourself with are like some of the most important ones totally so it was like this big test of like who we can just FaceTime with and still feel that that level of comfort um I have a story I in because it was eighth grade right when we went into quarantine so I that's nuts by the way that's crazy <laughs> um I had a really hard time in quarantine because I wasn't able to see my friends obviously and so I would FaceTime with my best friend every night and we would stay up for hours and I think we one time it was like two thirty in the morning and we just like took a shower in our clothes at the same time like with our cameras like facing what <laughs> wow unbelievable take a shower let's just go like bathe ourselves um and so we it was like two in the morning and we were just showering together and she also I shaved my head during quarantine and she was gonna shave it with me like we were just super everything we wanted to do everything together even though we weren't seeing each other um but I think it made me um realize that like you don't necessarily need a bunch of I think that a bunch of surface level friends is not as important if you have like one super close, deep friend that you can just do whatever with. This is making me question all of my friendships. I'm like, who would do the clothes shower with me and the shaved head with me? That's amazing. Um, our final question of today, which is, what do you think friendships will look like once you leave high school? I'm coming over here. Honestly, that's like really scary because I feel like college is all about like making new friends. But at the same time, like, I don't want to, like, leave my friends behind and I don't want to, like, just, like, stop, like, talking. I think FaceTime is going to be really big again for me, especially. And just, like, texting, like, checking up. But I, I think it's going to be, like, really different. Like, we're just not going to have, like, the same, like, connection before, but it'll still be, like, there. So give yourself a hand because you are all amazing. 
Thank you for talking to this sweaty stranger kneeling around on the floor. Um, I really had an amazing time talking with you all. Um, and you'll definitely hear this um, season two, which is going to be awesome. If you're wondering why David is so good at talking to young people is because he's a high school teacher and we need cool teachers like him. Shout out to school teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to David. So, Fonzo, what's our next episode about? Well, it's about expectations, how we meet them, how we miss them. And there's something a little special about it. Ooh, what's that? Just listen. I felt really cool, like especially when I'd go to parties and my friends would introduce me as their friend that stole that whiteboard and I would like reenact the whole thing for people. And I felt like I was becoming a campus legend. Like in 20 years, they would talk about the girl that stole the whiteboard. Well, that's it for this episode. Remember, no matter how old you are, you're never fully grown. Aliza Cosme is a multimedia storyteller passionate about using the power of storytelling for social good. And as her friend, I would describe her as intelligent, with a great fashion sense, and a true queen's gem. Thanks, Fonzo. Uh, Alfonso Lacayo is a passionate creative from the Bronx who appreciates the art of storytelling and self-expression. As one of his friends, I'd describe him as insightful, compassionate, and funny as hell. Grown is a production of The Moth. Our senior editor is Sarah Jane Johnson, and our senior producer is Mark Sollinger. That's me. With support from our artistic team, including Jody Powell, Suzanne Rust, and Sarah Austin Janess. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our education team. Melissa Brown, Jonathan Cabral, Devin Elise Wilson, and Anna Stern, as well as our instructors, past and present. To learn more about the Moth's education programs for young adults and educators, visit themoth.org edu. The stories in this episode were directed by Michelle Jalowski and Melissa Brown, with additional coaching by Devin Elise Wilson and Larry Rosen. Mixing is by Davey Sumner, with original music and sound design by Davey Sumner. Special thanks to all those who contributed their voices. The rest of the Moss leadership team includes Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Marina Cliche, Brandon Grant-Walker, Leanne Gully, and Aldi Casa. All Moss stories are true, as remembered and affirmed by their storytellers. For more about Grown, go to grownpod.com. Grown is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange. Ever wonder why we want to tell complete strangers our personal secrets? Or what a CIA spy can teach you about keeping things close to the chest? Read about this and see other fascinating articles on secrets in Grown's Pocket Collection. Pocket is a website and app that finds the most thought-provoking articles from trusted sources all around the internet and puts them in one place. With Pocket, you can keep and find new articles to read, save articles for later, and even have your saved articles read aloud to you. If you want to dig deeper into this secret-worthy episode of Grown, head over to Pocket and check out our collection at getpocket.com slash grown.